As I mentioned two weeks ago in my podcast about King Tut, when you're a high-profile figure, your life isn't really your own. This can be true even of elected officials, particularly martyred elected officials. Such was the case with Abraham Lincoln, who was sent on a farewell tour after his death that would have been worthy of any rock band. I'm Tracy S. Morris, and I am not making this up. Most people know about the death of Abraham Lincoln. If you don't, you can check out my podcast on Edwin Booth. A short summary is that Abraham Lincoln was shot by a famous Shakespearean actor named John Wilkes Booth in Ford's Theater shortly after the end of the Civil War. Lincoln was taken across the street to the Peterson house and placed diagonally on an upstairs bed because at six foot four, he was longer than most beds. Doctors made a hash out of his treatment, but even with 21st century medical treatment, he probably would have died anyways. A bullet to the head is a bullet to the head. Secretary of War Edwin Stanton took control of the situation. After all, the country had recently been at war and shooting the president was a direct result. But in the process, Stanton imposed himself onto a personal family tragedy and ran roughshod over Lincoln's family members. Now, before we vilify Stanton, let's take a moment and examine his motives. On one hand, micromanaging the president's funeral and turning it into a circus seems like a political action. But Stanton and Lincoln were friends. Perhaps, in his grief, Stanton was trying to say goodbye to his friend by elevating him to a position of reverence enjoyed by George Washington and many of the other founding fathers. So let's make a mental Venn diagram. On one circle is the Lincoln family tragedy. A second circle is Stanton's grief and political grandstanding. The third circle is the country's very public tragedy and mourning. The overlap of these circles is where our sad story lies. In the hours after Lincoln was shot, Stanton wouldn't let Mary Todd Lincoln bring their youngest surviving son, Tad Lincoln, to the deathbed to say goodbye. Mary was only permitted to see him for a brief period, and she wasn't in the room when he passed away. Most of Lincoln's inner circle found Mrs. Lincoln to be a difficult woman. Modern physicians speculate that she may have been bipolar. She was a complicated woman in a time that did not tolerate complicated women. So Lincoln's death and the way the family had been managed caused Mary to sink deeper into depression. For five weeks after Lincoln's death, she did not leave the White House. Without Mary there, Stanton took over Lincoln's memorial arrangements. That very night before he passed, Stanton reported Lincoln's expected death to the newspapers. Notices were read in churches across the country. The president was considered by many to be the last death of the war. Instantly, people who already had a handy supply of mourning clothes put them on. The president's face became the public face of mourning for a country where so many people had died. Stanton then arranged for a new technology known as embalming to preserve the body. Embalmers guaranteed that the body would not decay, and so Stanton put it on public view. Then came arguments about where to bury the body. 
The family wanted to send him back to Springfield, but there was a tomb in Washington built for George Washington and never used because the first president of the United States wanted to be buried at his beloved Mount Vernon. So why not give the honor of that tomb to Lincoln, some argued. But in this, the family would not budge. Lincoln would go home to Springfield and be buried in the family plot. So Stanton planned the trip by rail with 180 stops through seven states. Mary argued for a shorter trip with a more direct route, but Stanton had control of the show. And it was quite a show. At each stop, the coffin was taken off the train, placed on a hearse, and drawn through the streets to a public building for viewing. As many as 150,000 people viewed the remains at one stop, some waiting as long as five hours to do so. A delegation of over 300 dignitaries rode the Lincoln Special along with the body. Initial press coverage described how the remains looked so lifelike. But despite the promises of the embalmers, the rough handling of the remains, the long hours spent on a rocking train, exposure to the elements up to 23 hours per stop, all of these things combined to take their toll. And by the time the body reached New York, it began to noticeably decay. The New York Times reported that between the point the remains went on display and the end of the viewing, the body had visibly decomposed. From that point, news coverage of the funeral procession shifted from how great the president looked and how reverent everybody was to something that would look familiar to anyone who hangs out on Twitter. People worrying over whether the procession would be canceled, if the corpse would look like Lincoln, if it was to go on display, and shouldn't they just lay him to rest and end this whole morbid spectacle? Hashtag zombie Lincoln. Hashtag will I see him. Hashtag let him rest. In a bit of karmic justice, Stanton's political enemies roasted him over the coals for his micromanagement of Lincoln's body. Stanton did recover, though, eventually going on to be nominated to the Supreme Court, but dying four days after being confirmed. Mary Todd Lincoln outlived three of her sons. She and Robert Lincoln, her surviving son, had a very rocky relationship. By some accounts, she never spoke to him again after he tried to have her committed. By other accounts, she reconciled with him when he was offered the Republican nomination for the presidency, which he declined. Abraham Lincoln had an easygoing spirit and a wicked sense of humor. If the man himself were to come back from the grave and hear about the whole morbid affair surrounding his burial, he might have found the whole thing funny. Thank you for listening to I Am Not Making This Up. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, pretty much all the other directories now, so subscribe. If you like what you hear, leave a review with your preferred podcast service. That's how other listeners find us. If you want to meet me in person, I'll be at FenCon in Dallas, September 22nd through 24th. If you happen to be there, come on by the Yard Dog Press table and say hi. For more bizarre stories that I didn't make up, and some that I did, go to my website, tracysmorris.com. I post something new every Monday. 
And you can also subscribe to my newsletter. Check out my short stories and novels there. And if you have an improbable history topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me an email at author at tracysmorris.com.